Social Impact CX, the podcast that helps you drive mission and make a difference with customer experience. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for episode 39 of the Social Impact CX podcast. I'm John Corrigan, and I'll be your guide to how you can drive mission and achieve social impact with customer experience work. As always, I do appreciate that you've taken the time to listen in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode, which is the second half of my conversation with pharmacist Logan Murray. I must say that when Logan and I first started talking about what turned out to be our collaboration here, uh, at first I did not really understand what all he'd be doing, but this has been a really interesting experience working together. So for those of you that have not yet had a chance to listen to part one of our conversation in episode 38 of Social Impact CX, Logan Murray is a pharmacist and is also presently working on his PhD in the field of pharmacy at the University of Iowa. And he's recently completed some really interesting journey mapping work, which we'll be talking about. In my other daily work outside of this podcast, I'm founder and CEO of a startup company called JourneyMap L3C, which is a cloud-based application that can do journey mapping work in a more affordable and accessible approach. Um, so that what is tr- traditionally fairly expensive work, many times found in a Fortune 500 type environment, uh, the journey map application that lives in the cloud is specifically designed so the uh, customer experience work, such as measuring empathy and emotion, and then mapping a journey of a patient or consumer, which is typically fairly expensive work to do. That can be done in places with a smaller budget, a smaller footprint, like perhaps a community pharmacy, which is where Logan used the Journey Map application to map the journeys of retired people selecting a Medicare Part D plan. And he focused on better understanding the experiences of those patients and customers as they engaged with getting some advice from a community pharmacist so as to select the best Medicare Part D plan for themselves. And, and Logan's findings are, are really interesting, uh, covering territory ranging from medication adherence and outcomes, which are important subjects in the world of pharmacy, to even broader subjects such as patient experience and social determinants of health. Uh, because if a retired person can't afford his or her prescriptions, well, that's a huge impact on whether or not they may be able to maintain their own health. Logan is an interesting guy, and in our conversation, I discovered um, he f- he's focused on mindfulness and meditation, and since I always start each episode of Social Impact CX with a moment of gratitude, for this episode, I'd like to express my gratitude for a woman by the name of Sharon Salzberg, who is really a significant figure in the world of meditation. Uh, she has books and recordings, and she speaks. If you're not familiar with Sharon Salzberg's work, you should really uh, look her up. Uh, Sharon Salzberg has been really important to my own personal exploration and meditation and mindfulness. And and when I think about the short list of people I've listened to in my headphones a lot, and I do mean a lot, uh, Sharon Salzberg would rank right up there, maybe just after Bono and U2, uh, at least for me, which means I've heard her, I've heard her through my headphones a lot. So let's get back to this interesting conversation with Logan Murray about his journey mapping work in a community pharmacy and what he found using Journey Map. So, uh, so when you compared the journeys of the two groups here, there were three or four points that really stood out, and there, there were actual statistical variances between the A group and the B group. Do you want to talk about uh, any of those? A couple of those? Yeah, and uh, so I guess we've kind of alluded to them already, but 
Um, the reported collaboration was a big one, and then also plan comparison. So the individuals that used the service had the opportunity to talk much more with their pharmacist or right. felt a better sense of collaboration. Yeah. So, so this collaboration point is key. And in, in the journey map survey instrument, that's one of the touch points that you get to, that potentially comes out. Uh, if that's uh, if that's something that people are really um, uh, giving a strong answer on in the survey instrument, and so uh, that that the lower the lower income group group A actually clearly had a sense of stronger collaboration with their advisor, which was the pharmacist, as opposed to the group B, which is slightly higher income, and they were talking to probably somebody outside the pharmacy. But they did not have a strong of a collaboration response. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And so, so, um, so if you're trying to help people as a pharmacy, as a pharmacist, that's a really interesting point. If you're trying to be um, a more relevant and viable and growth-oriented business, that's also an interesting point. And so, I I, I thought that was that was fascinating. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and not from what you can see from the journey map. Um, Printouts, which are available online, as right. John already mentioned, you can see that those experiences are actually um, affiliated with a much better emotional response. And right. so, um, just my limited understanding of ethnography type work and um, some of the conversations I've had with John is those are really huge touch points that pharmacists can use yep. to provide additional information, to talk about additional services, to engage the patient in things that are going to be drivers of their health and overall outcomes. So, using those really high positive emotional journeys and experiences, right. it's a great opportunity for the pharmacist to further engage that patient within their own healthcare. So when you're doing customer experience work, which I, I actually think should begin with the journey, uh, understanding your patient's journey, your customer's journey, your beneficiary's journey, whomever that is, um, emotion is, if not, it's one of the most, if not absolutely the most uh, important determining factor as to whether or not um, somebody's ever going to come back. And this is true whether it's a restaurant or a health clinic or a car dealership or a pharmacy. Um, uh, good emotions means that people will be happy to come back. Bad emotions, really bad emotions, means they're going to try and never come back again, essentially. One of the things that was really fascinating here was in Journey Map, you do get a, a basic emotion readout. Um, so that you kind of understand, you get a temperature read on where your uh, where your respondents are as a, as a group, and the A group uh, on a ten point scale had an emotion. Uh, I believe it's a five point eight, which is kind of middle of the road. Uh, they're not having a bad experience. They're not having a really good experience, uh, and you know they went through a journey that demonstrated more ups and downs uh, because they were more informed. And this is complex, challenging decision-making. And so uh, the B group um, actually had a higher emotion reading. They had a 6.7, uh, which is still not necessarily, uh, they're not running out the door and telling everybody how fantastic their experience was with uh, their Medicare Part D uh, plan decision, but they were happier. And what was interesting though is that uh, they appear to be less informed. They, they talk to maybe their financial advisor or somebody else, or, or maybe they just signed up for a benefit that they have as, as part of their retirement plan. Um, they were less informed, but they were happier. So what was fascinating is that the um, people had better emotions when they were kind of unaware of exactly what was going on, which uh, customer experience work and customer journey mapping allows you to have a unique view into usually some pretty complex 
environments with your customer what people can have conflicting feelings and thoughts in that and so I would I would interpret the findings here as even though group A was a little less comfortable and their emotional score was was somewhat lower we have insights now about how to engage with somebody who could really use this help uh, I think we also have insights about uh, the slightly higher income group that's happier there's probably an opportunity to say to engage them somehow of uh, you know have you had a pharmacist help you with this? Uh, because it's a different view. It's a different set of uh, skills and insights and information that, that uh, they have to offer in helping you select a Medicare Part D plan. Again, looking at the individual um, that used the service with the 5.8 emotional scale, really what that kind of tells us is that this was a really challenging yeah. decision and it's associated with financial implications throughout the duration of the year. You know what's interesting though is who finds any part of healthcare insurance easy? It, and so I think that that's a very uh, clear and honest response, I think. So, yeah. uh, you know, because this is not easy. But the group that uh, the group that engaged with probably their financial advisor or they just re-upped for an offering in their retirement plan, um, they were a little happier, but they were less informed on what is a very complex subject and complex decision. Mm -hmm. And as we saw within the actual statistical analysis, the individuals that used the service had more collaboration and more planned comparison. And so by doing that actual planned comparison might increase the individual's uncertainty about which particular plan would yeah. be best for them. But if they were to choose the best plan based on the pharmacist providing that information, then overall they'd be better off financially and then subsequently happier. Sure, absolutely. But, but they would just know it. And, and they just, exactly, they would know it. And, and you know, um, I don't think that the B group is necessarily someone of, uh, we don't know for sure that they're someone of unlimited means. And so the cost, the cost difference there could absolutely be significant to them as well, too. And mm -hmm. so, um, all right. Any other highlights from the, the data points in, this, in the middle of the journey here uh, that you want to share? I think just overall in summary, I think that it was just really interesting um, that Journey Map also kind of gives us these empathy ratings and the various emotional responses that individuals go through and the people that didn't use the service had much fewer of these emotional that, responses. I agree. That was very interesting. The, the B group, um, there, there's just fewer outputs in terms of what they were responding to, what they were reporting out about what they were thinking or feeling or hearing or seeing or what they saw as a pain point or an actual gain from, from this experience of selecting a Medicare Part D plan. The A group, however, um, when we see there's, there's a list almost under each category of what they were thinking and feeling or hearing and seeing, what they recalled from this whole experience, and we're talking again about the journey to picking a Medicare Part D plan, which you might not think of as a journey, but it sure is. And Logan knows this from his grandparents, and I know it from my mother. Yes, absolutely. It's a journey. It's, there's a lot involved here. And then um, the A group really had quite a list of pain points. Uh, and, and so I thought that was a very interesting takeaway. There were, there were definitely things that they recalled um, from the experience of selecting Medicare Part D plan, even though they were using a highly qualified resource like a community pharmacist. Mm -hmm. There were tough points that they recall as pain points, but um, uh, they did. They saw uh, more gains also, though, than uh, than what the B group saw. So, and then again, John, just to kind of bring up the Medicare Part D thing and contextualize it, that 
for an individual that is consistently earning income, $400 a year, the average that a, a, right. an individual could potentially save might not seem like a tremendous amount. Right. For a fixed income individual, yep. that's the opportunity to go see your grandkids, to yep. go see your kids, yep. you know, to take that one trip of the year or to pay for that one thing that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. So yeah, really exactly. from a quality of life standpoint, that amount of income is, is hugely huge. tremendous. And yeah. so you can imagine how that uncertainty of that income really affects the emotional journeys. And so while yeah. Medicare Part D selection, especially you know as a 26-year-old, not a journey for me. Correct. I've seen the journeys that people go through while trying to make this yeah. selection. And it, it's, it's obviously a huge challenge for them to do so. And yeah. so... Yeah, exactly. It, it, this is uh, this is real impact on, on people's lives. So, um, and you know, I think one of the gains that the A group, that engaged with the pharmacist, um, noted that the B group didn't was actually they they saw that there were good choices. Uh, and I think that B group that was less involved, uh, they might have turned over the decision to a financial advisor or somebody else. They did not see as a gain of that experience as a good choice being out there. And so um, I thought it was really interesting that, that the group that did talk to the pharmacist to help them select a plan, they actually reported out that there was a good choice to be had. So yeah. The, yeah, the amount of data that we were able to gather and the insights that you can actually get from such a small sample, relatively speaking, yeah. were, were really interesting and provided a lot of good insight that we're hoping to be able to take back to the pharmacy to actually kind of right. make some of those service changes that are going to lead to higher utilization and subsequently better outcomes and experiences right. with a consultation right. service exactly. of this nature. All right. So let's spend a little time talking about what cost my, what caught my attention first uh, when, I, when I saw the, the output the very first time here is that we've talked about the differences in income and, and other uh, em empathy readings and other parts of the journey between these two groups. But they ended up in the exact same place. I mean, overall, they reported out that they were happy with their decision. They, they were comfortable with that decision that they made when they selected a plan. But after they made the decision, um, you can just kind of see visually on the chart. Uh, I don't know if they, uh, you know, it's kind of like they end up with a pit in their stomach. Everything just kind of sinks down. They go from being happy they made this decision to I think it's kind of a, oh my, you know, how, how is this going to look in the future? Uh, what did I just do? Um, but after what we've just discussed, isn't it interesting that the journeys to get to a decision were so different, but once somebody made the decision, the, the, uh, it, the reaction was the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, again, that speaks to the complexity of the situation right. and the, the complexity of the journey, as well as just all of the different minutiae that are associated with the Medicare right. Part D plan selection. So all of the buzzwords and terminology like copayment or the, right. the out-of-pocket costs or the premium. So all of those buzzwords that are affiliated with insurance, even though at the time you feel like you're making the decision that's going to be best for you, immediately after that, once you start hearing some of that jargon again, right. you can imagine that that would kind of you know, I hate to use the buzzword triggering, but could be very triggering sure. for individuals that had previously just gone through this experience. And again, from some of the qualitative data that we saw, a lot of the responses had to do with never wanting to make this decision again. Yes. Knowing full well that they would have to the, Next the year. following year. Exactly. And that, and then only four, three or four percent of them do, but there's a very real cost implication by them perhaps not changing. And so, um, so here's some of the magic of journey mapping. People ended up in the exact same place, but 
as a community pharmacist or someone who's focused on the social impact aspects of healthcare, if you want to engage with somebody to make a difference, and making a difference could be helping somebody out, it could be actually offering a new and innovative service that maybe helps your community pharmacy as a business, whatever that is to you. If you want to understand where is the best place to engage, you have to understand the journey. The place to engage um, is many, so when you see negative points on a journey map, someone, it's a high stress experience, somebody has reported this was bad, um, if there's an opportunity for you to fix that, whatever that is, you should. Um, if it's getting access to information or if someone feels like there's no one to talk to, meaning there's no collaboration opportunity, uh, they don't know where to go, those are things that you and your team can come back once you understand that and think about how do I fix the problem. Um, one of the really interesting things from the field of customer experience work though is that where there's a positive experience, where people feel good, uh, and this is where big for-profit companies that use customer experience work to lead their market space, to really redefine an industry sector, whatever it is that they're doing, where people are happy, where people, where you've made somebody feel good, that's where you should engage. You have, um, these are very consumer um, uh, uh, market uh, type concepts here. You have opportunity for affinity and loyalty. Um, if you're a for-profit company, this is where you're gonna ask somebody to buy more. You're gonna upgrade, upsell, you're gonna move someone to a monthly service plan, whatever it is you're trying to do with somebody. The place to do that is where people um, feel good already. It, it, you shouldn't do that where somebody feels bad. And so the fact that the journeys here between the A and the B group, they might end up in the same place, but they were so different along the way, really, I think, would give insights to a community pharmacy about uh, if you know something about your retired patients customers uh, the places to engage are where you see the high points on this journey uh, and and you if you're if they if someone feels as though oh wow I can collaborate with my pharmacist this is good I really hadn't done this before that's a place to do more and do better potentially um, whether that's for the patient or whether that's for your community pharmacy business um, and so it's really I think it's fascinating and then understanding that B group which has a higher income and from the comments the verbatims we know that they're probably turning to an advisor outside of the pharmacy um, understanding where they were more comfortable is also your opportunity to potentially engage with them too and they might be two different places and so uh, that's that's the value of looking at a couple different groups and being able to compare and contrast but also uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit or for-profit, um, whatever you're doing, nobody has resources to do everything for everybody. So if you understand a couple of your key constituents, your audiences, and then you have better insights of, this is where I should really engage with group A, and this is where I should really engage with group B. Um, those are tremendous insights to have uh, when you look at innovation and new service offering, I think, in a community pharmacy which could absolutely be focused on social impact, social uh, determinants of health, or it could be just uh, how you compete as a business and you stay relevant in a very dynamic marketplace, so. Yeah, and uh, John, uh, some of the points that you touched upon there uh, popped up some thoughts in my own mind, coming from Iowa pharmacy legend Bob Osterhaus, actually. Right. What's good for the patient is good for pharmacy. Right. And so I think that what JourneyMap has allowed us to do in understanding the patient's experience through this selection process 
like you said, was identify some of those low points. And so what are the ways that the pharmacy can look at that uncertainty about plant selection and how can they improve that component of their service? And so whether that be a, a brief like follow-up phone call to discuss how their plan coverage is currently going, if they have any questions about their coverage, those types of things allow the pharmacy to kind of develop a more patient-centered model around that service. Yep. And then subsequently improve the service in a way that is meaningful, both from a business standpoint, but also from a patient engagement standpoint. And so I think that that's kind of the interesting component here where uh, the rubber meets the road, if you will, from a consumer slash patient standpoint and how they're engaging in the pharmacy. So truly what's good for the patient in this instance is also good for the pharmacy because we're developing stronger relationships between the two groups. Right. And that can subsequently drive outcomes, adherence, all of these quality measures that we've been talking about so consistently. Um, but are having a harder time getting into actualization. Right, right. So, so you know, community pharmacies can be, you know, family-owned businesses that have been cornerstones of their, of their many times rural communities for decades and decades and generations and generations. Uh, but also, you brought up some really interesting thoughts uh, about how this, how these findings apply to even some pretty new and emerging concepts like sharing economies and that. Do you want to share some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. And so as we progress into the the digital age, what we're seeing in terms of value and in terms of overall usefulness of different markets and economies that are existing is the concept of the sharing economy. And so really what this is, is um, as we develop and create additional things in order for other individuals to access them, it's a component of shared as opposed to ownership. So yep. companies or platforms can share data, can share resources as opposed to purchasing them. And so from a community pharmacy standpoint, especially an independent community pharmacy standpoint, it's particularly challenging for them to have the resources to develop 12 new innovative services that are going to serve patients and change the way that they're practicing. And so what a shared economy does is it essentially allows one or two pharmacies to develop, to develop one or two services and then it allows all of that information to be shared to pharmacies that wouldn't be able to actually develop those services on their own due to fi- yeah. financial or time barriers. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, that's really, and, and, and markets change. A pharmacy, just like other industries, are no one's immune to uh, the changing dynamics uh, of what's going on and uh, sharing economies are certainly becoming relevant in other industries and so uh, thinking through and exploring what that's going to mean for community pharmacy is really interesting too. So because yeah. it, it looking down the road in, in a place that I would like to practice in terms yeah. of a practice setting would be a place that has access to a variety of these different services and via a, whatever platform is necessary to make that available but to have toolkits and and services that pharmacists can kind of just pull down and share and then subsequently implement them in their practice to improve the patient experience, but also improve all of the things we talked about earlier in terms of quality. So decreasing the barriers that exist to allow independent community pharmacies or other community pharmacies for that matter to more effectively develop these services and serve their patients. Yeah, that's great. Um, So as we kind of head into wrapping things up, you just use a word that I think is so important, quality. Uh, and you know, what quality means in a community pharmacy and the experiences that, uh, that the community pharmacy provides for patients and customers is, is so important. Um, we also, and then also w- whether it's 
uh, where we are today or in future-based uh, sharing economy concepts, you know, patient-centered models is really where it's at. Uh, and, and it's just so important. And understanding a, a journey map offers tremendous opportunities to gain insights into what a patient-centered model could really be all about. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, let's come back to a couple of the other things we touched on. Recap for us um, what this research meant or the implications you think are when it comes to outcomes and uh, medication adherence. So utilizing a Medicare Part D consultation service has led to decreased out-of-pocket costs for patients, yep. has led to increased adherence, and also increased plan switching tendencies. And so we know most individuals can benefit from switching plans, but the vast majority do not. And so utilizing a service of this nature has led to those things. Right, right. And then um, certainly one of, the, one of the findings that I think is, is most compelling here is we're talking about whether or not real people can afford the medications they need in order to maintain their health. And that speaks directly to social determinants of health, which is certainly, I think, one of the big issues of our time. And so understanding a journey um, uh, can help you better serve uh, the people in your community and your pharmacy as well, too. So, And then in addition to that, John, we, and we haven't mentioned it here, but flip the pharmacy. Oh, yeah. Um, and some of those, the, some of the enhanced sure. pharmacy networks and enhanced pharmacy services that are currently um, very popular um, in terms of just discussion, um, this can potentially contribute to, right. to some of it, those things as ex well. Explain what, what it means, uh, this idea of flip the pharmacy. Yeah, and so flip the pharmacy uh, essentially is an ongoing movement that is trying to get pharmacists and pharmacies away from a more historic um, dispensing model. And yep. so while the medication and the dispensing process are obviously hugely important for overall patient health and outcomes, um, there's additional things that pharmacists uh, can and have shown to be able to do to overall to improve overall patient health. And so right. those are things like additional services, such as Medicare Part D consultation service, right. um, or other services that are more clinically oriented in terms of um, complete medication review or comprehensive medication review, um, additional services of that nature that pharmacists have shown benefit in doing. Right. And so trying to get more pharmacies to offer those types yep. of services and flipping the traditional gotcha. pharmacy model. So, um, so when you, when you flip the pharmacy, then hopefully it's the patients and the and the customers who they they no longer perceive just going in and picking up their prescription and leaving. It's 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 a broader experience. And you know, uh, my exposure to pharmacy is, has been interesting when I hear um, the the profession of pharmacy talk about the uh, the frequency of engagement with patients. Um, uh, with a pharmacist as opposed to how frequently you engage with your physician and your physician of course is a very important component here too but there is a real opportunity um, in pharmacy for uh, pharmacists to view how they engage and how often they engage with patients as an opportunity to bring more value and, and do more good and do better things for people exactly and I think again just like quality is a huge word value is another huge word yeah. and so can we get pharmacies to offer services that are both high in quality but also high in value? And right. so are they having meaningful um, and impactful um, effects on our patient populations? Right. And so really driving those two buzzwords, quality and value, are, right. those are hugely important in terms of developing these types of services and developing that patient-centered model that's right. going to eventually make the patient the most important component, right. which they really should be from a quality and value standpoint. That's it. That's it. And... You know, I recently had a chance to talk with uh, journey mapping expert Carrie Bodine, 
And one of the one of the parts of our conversation is that when you're exploring what a journey map is, one of the most important things is that you recognize how your journey mapping work should be relevant to whatever the whatever the organization is measuring. Um, and measuring quality and value in a community pharmacy, I think are really important things. And, and I know the community pharmacists I've met, they're certainly interested in quality and value and, and attuned to those concepts. And so uh, hopefully uh, the work you're doing with your with your thesis and your PhD um, uh, is, uh, is helpful to them. So yeah. anything else you'd like to add before um, uh, we come to a close? I don't think so. Uh, okay. <laughs> the only thing I'll say is that uh, I used both of my grandmother's names and they gave me permission to do so. Great, thank you. I'm just thank not allowed to sh share their social security numbers. Th th thank you, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we would be getting into HIPAA and other issues then uh, as well too. So um, so there is uh, there will be more information at journeymap.com on Logan's work. And then also I know he's working on publishing uh, some of his findings as part of his uh, PhD work. And so you can... Uh, you can look for his research there as well too and so good luck to you sir Hope, uh, hopefully you uh, enjoy the rest of your journey through your PhD All right, thanks John it's been a pleasure alright good deal thanks Logan this has been Social Impact CX podcast episode 39 the second part of my conversation with pharmacist and pharmacy PhD student Logan Murray who is working on his thesis at the University of Iowa's College of Pharmacy and I think this is the first time I've talked with someone here on Social Impact CX who used the Journey Map application, especially in a setting like a community pharmacy, and then after using Journey Map, has sat down to talk about what they learned during the process and what the findings are all about and what this all means with social impact considerations. Uh, on the Journey Map website, and that is J-O-U-R-N-I-M-A-P.com. Uh, I've pulled live a, a new tab called Journey to Help, and Logan's work is actually the first feature there. And you, you can see his journey maps, uh, the journey maps from his work. If you're interested there at Journey to Help, check it out. And as I mentioned at the end of episode 38, my company Journey Map and this podcast Social Impact CX are separate entities, and I, I just want to be clear about that. But when their, their paths cross, through social impact situations, an example of work where journey mapping is, is used to help others or to make the world a better place somehow. I plan on occasionally sharing here at uh, Social Impact CX. So if someone's work qualifies as a journey to help um, over at my business journey map, then you might hear about it here at Social Impact CX. Do you have thoughts or questions about Logan's work or journey mapping or how CX practices like journey maps and empathy work can be applied in a healthcare environment like a community pharmacy? As always, you can ask a question or make a comment here at Social Impact CX a couple different ways. First, and probably the best option, is that you can send an email to comment at socialimpactcx.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-T at socialimpactcx.com. You can also find us on Twitter and post a question there. Our Twitter handle is at socialimpactcx. And please follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with new podcasts and other related content. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at John F. Corrigan. Um, we've worked on expanding where you can find Social Impact CX podcasts online. Uh, and you may be listening some from someplace like 
Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify. Um, and so uh, wherever you get Social Impact CX, I hope that's uh, convenient for you. If you would like to see it someplace else, uh, send us a, a message and, and we'll explore getting it there as well too. This is John Corrigan reminding you that especially in social impact work, it's important to understand that your mission is really all about someone else's journey. And the more you know about someone's journey, the more you can help. Thanks for listening to Social Impact CX.